When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives. But those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Michigan fans. Trevor Woods from SB Nation's Maize and Brew with the Guinea Dino Michigan's Opponent Podcast. This week, Michigan travels to Bloomington, Indiana to take on the Indiana Hoosiers. IU started the season off 3-0, but have lost the last two to Cincinnati and Nebraska. To learn more about the 2022 rendition of the Hoosiers, we're speaking with Indiana Athletics beat writer at the Bloomington Herald and the Indianapolis Star, Dustin Dopirak. How are we doing today, Dustin? Doing well, man. Thanks so much for having me on. We're really happy to have you on, and I'm an Indiana native myself, Northwest Indiana, so for me, this matchup's always interesting. You know, I always, I live part of the Purdue-IU rivalry, right? Uh, so, right. But, but this one, IU fans and fans in Indiana are always interested in. Obviously, IU hasn't had a ton of success against Michigan throughout the decades, but uh, always got to take Indiana with seriousness, especially when they head to Bloomington during the Jim Harbaugh era. There's been a couple close ones. They did lose the game in 2020 in front of no fans. There was a scare, I believe, in 2016. It was a close one. Nailbiter went to overtime. But as far as this team, the 2022 IU team, Dustin, how are things trending? I mean, they've already 
have one more win than they did all last season. They finished last season 2-10. and 10. So have they been more competitive? Where are the glimmers of hope so far? Yeah, they've been more competitive. Obviously, a big piece of that is just that they're healthy and, and there is a better – they came back with a better attitude. I mean, I think, uh, you know, last year, big, uh, you know, there, there were a lot of reasons why 2021 went off the rails. Um, and, 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 again, a big part of it was injuries. And, you know, Michael Panix just never seemed to be fully himself. Even though he seemed healthy, but he would never seemed comfortable. Uh, and, obviously, you see what he's capable of, what he's done so far at Washington, that, that you know, that uh, the 2021 was more of an anomaly for him before he got hurt. Um, but I, I think there was definitely this sense that they walked – it was the first time in, you know, 50 years uh, that they were ranked in the top 25 going into a season. And I think they, they're, you know, a lot of the guys have said afterwards that there was a sense that they'd arrived basically that they were going to be, um, and there was sort of a base level of success that they could expect. And they were just kind of trying to go for what was beyond. Um, but once it became clear that it was not going to be another special season, that they, they seemed to check out. I mean, especially when guys got hurt um, and when fewer and fewer of their goals became possible, you really saw down the stretch that just flat collapse. So they, they had to take a whole off season of just getting right as far as, um, you know, just increasing accountability, uh, you know, for themselves, basically the coaching staff really increasing accountability on the players, just getting kind of some level of spirit back. So that's an improvement as far as where they're trending. And that's why they already have three wins. Uh, on the flip side of that, though, um, you know, they, they hit the easy part of their schedule already. And now they already got a loss. They, they got at least one loss they weren't supposed to have. I think Cincinnati you had to expect. Um, but Nebraska was really a game they had to be able to go out there and win, especially with Nebraska you know, already haven't fired its coach, haven't started one and three. Um, you know, if, if Indiana was going to get to six wins, that's kind of their you know, sort of, it's not even baseline for success. I mean, it's something that, that they don't, they don't usually get. Um, and they enter every year just hoping to get to six and six. Um, it's a lot, you know, the math is a lot harder after you lose to Nebraska. Um, and so I, I think that, and you looked obviously out, there were enough sort of alarms, I guess, uh, in that loss. And, and, you know, even in some of the previous wins that tell you, okay, like, they're going to have a hard time getting to six, even though they're halfway there already. And there's a lot of season left to be played. Obviously the schedule gets a lot harder. Um, and there's, there's a lot fewer, you know, games on the board you look, look at and say that this is a game that they can win. Um, so, so that's kind of an issue. I mean, there's, there's trouble in a bunch of spots, you know, offensive line's been shaky. Um, you know, they, they were out the best two wide receivers against Nebraska and that made it hard for the offense to go in general. Um, there's, they're, they're a lot better off than they were, especially at the end of last year, but they're still, you know, uh, a bottom half offense. Um, and, you know, defensively, they're not horrible per play, but, you know, since they're playing up tempo on offense, they're forced to deal with a lot. And uh, at some point in there, they're probably going to make a mistake, which, you know, it happened a couple of times against Nebraska. They gave up a couple of big plays. Um, so that's kind of where things are trending. I mean, it's, it's, it's not very positive right now. Our fan base is very, very annoyed after the Nebraska loss and, you know, uh, starting to be just sort of seeing this, seeing a trend they've seen many times uh, in Indiana history. Yeah, the difference a couple of weeks makes, right? I mean, before the Cincinnati loss, IU was 3-0. and And who would have thought, though, their first win of the season, the first game of the season was against Illinois. They won 23-20. And that's actually kind of a quality win as things stand in early October. <laughs> Illinois just got a coach fired in Wisconsin, right, after they whooped them. Right. So. Who saw that one coming uh, before the beginning of the season? But talking about the offense, it's a it's a bit improved over last year's numbers because last year was pretty much bottom of the barrel across the board. We'll get into the quarterback position 
in its totality in a moment here. But can you talk about the talent infusion, I guess you could say, on offense that has come via the transfer portal? Obviously, they bolstered not only the quarterback position, but the running backs and the wide receivers, too. I mean, every level, there's been a transfer that is not only produced, but been among the leaders on the team in their respective. No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, 100%. Uh, and and they, they were... Really, uh, you know, kind of lost at the end of last year, lost enough guys either to graduation, you know, whatever we think of as graduation, you know, guys being out of their eligibility um, and, you know, other you know transfers out. Uh, so they really had to, to start over. I mean, basically they lost. They're starting, you know, they're the top two quarterbacks. They're starting running back. Um, actually, they're, they're really the top three running backs because two of those guys were, were walk-ons that also transferred. Um, and their top two. Uh, you know, wide receivers were all gone, and and their starting tight end, who was one of their top receivers overall, Payne Hendershot. You know, all those guys moved on in some way, shape, or form. So they really had to start, you know, start over in a lot of ways. Uh, and so obviously they didn't want to do that entirely by by you know freshman recruiting. And certainly the portal allows you to do a whole lot. Um, but yeah, no, I mean they, they have managed the, the, the running backs. Uh, they've been really happy with Sean Shivers and Josh Anderson, two guys that were really having a hard time getting opportunities where they were. Um, you know, Shivers in particular had. Had got a lot of carries as a freshman, but kind of got um, you know pigeonholed into that kind of third down back situation where he was catching a lot of passes, not running the ball very much. Uh, by you know you know through his fourth year uh, with Auburn, and really wanted to be a featured guy, and and, and it's proven he could do that at least at a decent level. I mean, he's not going to be all Big Ten or anything like that, uh, but he's made some big plays. You know, 377 yards through five games, average of 4.4 carry. You know, something you got to be pretty happy with. And Josh Henderson's been, been a bit of a revelation. I mean, he really didn't get to play in North Carolina. There was some really talented guys ahead of him. Um, I think I can't remember if he, what he did three years there. He had a really hard time getting on the field, getting any kind of carries. Uh, I mean, I, there there probably have been games where he's already where he's even the kind of the number two guy um, where he's had probably more carries than he had last year. What did he get? Five attempts uh, in 2021 as a junior. Uh, you know, I took 18 carries as a sophomore, uh, 18 carries as a freshman. I mean, really did not get a lot of work uh, at North Carolina, but I mean, he's been really impressive. Uh, you know, just, just really good speed, good power. Uh, you know, so so that has really worked out really well for both parties. Uh, and they've got a really good freshman behind them, Jalen Lucas. Uh, you know, smaller guy, but real home run threat with his speed. Um, you know, they haven't been able to work in a whole lot because he, he's, you know, you're giving up at selling and pass protection there just because he's 170 pounds, but I uh, had a really impressive run against Nebraska, but on, on, in, in the receiving court, um, yeah, I mean, I think the most impressive guy is actually, you know, technically he's not part of the portal. He's a junior college recruit. Um, so if it doesn't work, you know, they don't have to go through the portal. Um, but he, he, Cam Camper has been just terrific. Uh, he's been a guy that's really been a revelation. Um, the guy who was barely recruited out of high school was he maybe five, nine when he graduated. And now he's six, three. Um, just has just totally, you know, transformed. It's one of those late bloomer types that, that you don't see very often. Uh, but he's really been just reliable. 33 catches, 418 yards, really a go-to guy uh, for them. DJ Matthews is a guy that they, they got out of the portal last year, uh, you know, lost to an ACL tear through, I think it was game three. It was game four against Western Kentucky. He fell on a punt, um, and when he was going down, I guess he just caught his foot somewhere in toward the ACL. And he showed a lot of promise then. 
um, you know, in the first four games. And he was a, you know, U.S. Army All-American coming out of high school, a huge recruit when he went to Florida State in the first place. He's not a very big guy, uh, but ton of speed, you know, guy that can really beat you deep and, and, and did and, and uh, you know, had, I think, a really big touchdown catch. I think it was against, um, I want to say it was against Illinois. Uh, it was really a big part of that game and part of that comeback. Um, and, you know, Emory Simmons, another guy that got from North Carolina, who's been really good, really solid as well. So, no, they, they, they attack the portal a lot, uh, especially at the offensive skill positions, really transformed that group a lot. Just it's, it's just a totally new group, um, you know, and, and, you know, Camper might be the only guy that, that might make a push for all Big Ten so that they're not superstars, but they're all, you know, just quality contributing guys uh, that, that they've been able to rely on. And that's a big deal because they just didn't have anybody for, for some of those spots. Now, another transfer would be the quarterback, Connor Bazalik from Missouri. This marks his third season where he's been a starter. Surprisingly, though, it has been his worst season as a starter, averaging 5.7 yards per attempt, 52.8% completion percentage. Last year, for example, he was at 65%. The year before, 67%. Quarterback rating was in the 130s the previous couple years. One thing that has been a constant threat from Bozalik is he's thrown interceptions. It's remained the same this year. Eight touchdowns, five interceptions, 16 touchdowns, 11 interceptions last year. In 2020, seven touchdowns, six interceptions. So, uh, obviously it sounds like it'd be a little negative in nature, but he has had some success in the college ranks and the passing offense, I believe is number 33, right around there. Yep. 33rd ranked passing offense. So things are trending in the right direction in that way, but give us a scouting report on Bazalek and how right and how wrong am I just by looking at some numbers. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the biggest thing to add to it is just uh, the workload is a lot bigger. Uh, you know, he's already thrown the ball 246 times in five games. Um, so that's just short of 50 per game. Um, I, I think he yeah, that's a lot. Attempts. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just it, it's one of those situations where they're, they're playing up tempo. So they're running a lot of plays. Walt Bell is a big tempo guy, really believes in it. And so Tom Allen has kind of bought it with that for now. Um, and so that's, that's just really changed the way that they function. So, you know, he's, and so sometimes he's on, sometimes he's off, but many he's just throwing it a lot. Um, so it's tough to keep that rate up at 66, 60, you know, uh, 67 when you're throwing it 50 times a game. Um, and, and, and they know you have to throw it in a lot of cases because they've only run the ball. So, um, They've only run the ball so much. Uh, you know, they're only, they're only so good at it, basically. I mean, they're, they're you're averaging 3.3 per carry. They don't have a great offensive line. So they're frequently in third and long positions where they have to throw the football. And, uh, you know, so that's the thing. He's, he's often put in the position of having to throw the ball a whole heck of a lot. Um, and he can be really good. He can be really, you know, shaky. Uh, it's interesting because, I mean, he's such a steady human being, like just the way he operates and functions. And that's one thing that everybody says about him is how, you know, even keeled and level he is. Um, but as a passer, he's a little bit more erratic. Uh, you know, he, he's, I mean, his, his mechanics look fine and they look repeatable and everything like that. Um, and he's not too far off, um, but it just seems like the, he'll go through stretches where he hits a bunch and go through, goes through stretches where he misses a bunch. I mean, I think, you know, in Nebraska, I mean, I think if, if you go through kind of his passing, uh, I'm going to call it up right now, just, just kind of his sort of passing sequence. Uh, it's, it's sort of crazy just how it goes sometimes. I and mean, I think he starts out 6 of 17, 7 of 19, and then after that he goes and hits 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. I'm not looking at it right. Eight in a row. Uh, and nine out of 10. 
So like, and then he goes on a stretch where he misses a bunch. And so uh, it's, it's interesting just, just him in a rhythm that this, even though he's, he's got this very sort of level personality where it doesn't seem like he's affected or, or, or much doesn't get too high or too low sort of as a person, uh, his passing is, is sometimes really, really sharp. Uh, and sometimes it's not. And, and the, he gives them a chance is the biggest thing. I mean, he, he, he has the arm to put the ball where it needs to be. I mean, he's, he's, you know, gets good distance, gets good velocity, uh, has really good touch on his passes. Um, so he can hit stretches where he, he can really hit a rhythm and, and the passing game can really carry them. Um, but then he can hit stretches where he's not completing the ball at all. And they're just getting a bunch of three and outs. Um, so that's kind of where he is. It's trying to get a rhythm, trying to get used to some of his receivers. I think obviously just having camper and Matthews out, uh, you know, was certainly an adjustment for him where he had to get used to kind of his secondary options had it become his primary options um, on Saturday night. So there, there's been a lot for him to get used to. I think it's certainly a faster tempo that he played at Missouri. Um, so that's got something to do with it. Um, but, uh, you know, a, a big piece to it is, is they're, they're getting a lot of yards because they're throwing it a whole lot. Um, I don't know what is fair to ask him from a percentage standpoint, just because there's just so many throws and there's going to be some wear and tear there and, and uh, some situations where everybody knows you're throwing and he's got a certain amount of throwaways uh, where, I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't know how many giveaway throws he's had because, you know, he's a, he's got a little bit of mobility when he gets downhill on his own read, he can make some things, make a guy miss, maybe get four or five yards out of a rush, but he's not going to blow you away. I mean, this is not Denard Robinson here. Um, but you know when when he's getting a pass rush, he, he's he's not the type to hold on to it and um, you know really try to force something. He's going to get rid of it pretty fast. So there's a lot of kind of throwaways, uh, you know, positive throwaways, if you will, taking a zero versus taking a negative eight um, or whatever that uh, that he's made. So that he should probably get some level of credit for, I guess. Um, but you know he, he's he's been okay. Uh, he hasn't been terrible, and you know he, they're they're throwing it enough, and he's he's. He's moved the football for them, you know. He, you know, it, there there have definitely been some positives there, but obviously the, the percentage is is concerning. Yeah, and you've mentioned the no huddle, fast tempo of the Indiana offense. Now, Indiana ranks 128th in time of possession. Michigan's a team that thrives with time of possession. Two conflicting ideologies, you could say, going against one another. Overall, what do you think of the up-tempo offense, and do you think there should be a little more balance to, you know, use it when it applies, sometimes pump the brakes, or, uh, yeah, do you think this this strategy is wise going against the Wolverines? Uh, well, I don't know if there's any strategy that's going to work against the Wolverines. To be totally honest yes, with you, yeah. Um, I, I, and that's a that's a serious issue for them. And I, I think. I, I, I mean, it, it's one of those things. Walt Bell's a really smart guy, and if you listen to Walt Bell talk, you can be like, "All right, man, I get it." Like, and you know, the way Tom Mallon describes it is like, "There's a lot of belief." Like, Walt Bell actually absolutely believes in what he's doing, um, and, and he was coached up that way, uh, you know, with guys that went really wide and really fast. And one thing I think he mentioned uh, about because he was a, he played at a Middle Tennessee, he, you know, he, he went he he went to some Tennessee high school where they they ran the ball all the time, and then he went to Middle Tennessee Tennessee State, and they moved him as a wide receiver to be a slot guy, and he'll tell you he was really bad. He's, but you know the way we played, especially back then. Uh, when no, you know, when this was just starting to become a thing, and this is about 2003 to 2006. He's not a, he's not an older guy, uh, 
but you know, he, he basically said that he gave a lot of very average football players an ability to throw the ball around a little bit and, so, and, and really help their cause. And so I think he sort of believes in that, that it gives you an edge that, that it's saying, okay, you know, you, you can be not that great, but you can give yourself an advantage by keeping the other team on its heels by, by just forcing them to keep running, keep running, keep running. Um, and you can wear them out and it's worked on some level. There have been several that the Illinois touchdown drive, the Western Kentucky touchdown drive, the two touchdown drives at the end of the half against Nebraska, you can credit to, you can absolutely credit to tempo because, uh, you know, other defense was on its heels. So, you're, you know, the tough question is, would they be better if they slowed down and played more traditionally? And I don't know. Um, it, it, it's not it's not a cure all. And, and it can be it's definitely a double edged sword when it's bad. It really hurts you because you're on and off the field really fast. and Your defense back on, um, you know, they've, they've had possessions that have that have lasted less than a minute. Um, and so that's a tough situation to put your defense in. You know, they, they just got off the field. Maybe they just gave up a big, long touchdown drive and you got the ball back. And now all of a sudden, suddenly you got to go back on. And so in Indiana's case, they do a lot of they, they you know, sort of have countered for that as saying, OK, we're going to really play a lot of guys on defense. And, you know, they've got a decent second unit. But at the end of the day, that means you're putting your second unit out there a lot. Um, and so you're already Indiana. You know, it's not like you, you've got, you know, two two tiers of all Americans, uh, out there, you know, I mean, you know, your second teamers are probably going to be, there's going to be a little bit of a drop off and there's not a major one. I mean, I would say they've got better depth than they usually have, but, but it's still not the same. And so that's leading to some big plays. So, you know, it's, it's tough to say what's the calculation, you know, what would make sense Would would they just die a slower death? Uh, if they went out and played slow, would they just not, you know, get a get a real advantage there is this kind of going out on your you know, your shield a little bit um and i don't know it's a tough call I, I i get where he's coming from i understand it i, I see the benefit uh from it um so th- I, I guess the bottom line is they're not going to change for michigan you know they're, they're not going to come out and decide that they're not going to run tempo uh because michigan doesn't run, run tempo and wants to you know have a lot of time possession that's not going to be a reason uh for indiana to stop doing what it's doing they're committed to this this has been their sort of full off season deal so they're not going to say okay one week because we're playing a really good team that likes to run the ball we're not going to do it um so you know, expect to see it and now now you might that they might go get beat 59 to nothing and you might say well they, they tried too hard with the tempo they wasted their time now you know they're exhausted um it, you, it might be a reason why they get beat even worse than they might have um but i think their view of it is is that you're not going to um you're not going to beat michigan playing on their turf uh one, one thing we have walt, walt said to me one time when i was doing a feature story on him is that you, you have to try to um play the game on your terms and play the play the game at your speed and your pace and, and, and try to dictate pace. And so, you know, if you let Michigan dictate pace, they're just going to bully you. Um, so I think that's what, what, what Bell was thinking, you know, probably going in is like, you know, we might as well play the way that we're going to play. And if it blows up in our face, fine, but at least we tried because, you know, if we just let them, you know, make it a time possession game and slow it down, they're just going to bulldoze us. You know, I think that's how well Bell is going to figure going into this. And so I get that. I, I see where he's coming from there. And, you know, again, it, it might lead to them getting crunched even worse than they ordinarily would have. Um, but I, I think Bell is going to say, okay, well, at least we, we went out swinging. Yeah, this conversation is starting to remind me of basketball coach Mark D'Antonio and his teams with yeah. the with the Suns, Rockets, uh, Knicks, I believe, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. so, but you got to respect a guy who wants to dictate tempo, dictate pace. And I think most coaches respect that one way or the other, no matter what philosophical, uh, stance you take, but let's shift to the defensive side of the ball. IU, they rank lowly in most defensive statistical categories. They do rank 25th in team sacks, 
but total defense 107th, passing yards allowed, that's pretty high up there as well, 118th. Uh, so what what are the weaknesses you've seen from the IU defense, and is rushing the passer one of their strengths? Yeah, I mean, they've definitely made more of a point to, uh, you know, Tom Allen took over defensive play call. And, you know, because basically, I mean, obviously he was hired in Indiana as a defensive coordinator, uh, was promoted to head coach because Kevin Wilson got sideways with Fred Glass, the athletic director. Um, you know, uh, basically, I, th- I think uh, Fred basically said he, he, the phrase he used is he didn't like lead the, they didn't agree on um, their philosophy on leadership. And basically there was sort of, uh, you know, reporting of mishandled situations with injuries, basically trying to, you know, uh, just not treating injured players well. Um, and, and so well, Allen was hired as defense coordinator was the point. And so he kept the DC title for the first couple of years, eventually decided to hand that over. Um, and, you know, basically just have, have other guys run his defense, his design, but they do the play calling um, and, and they kind of structure it throughout the week, but it was sort of his, you know, design structure and felt like last year, they really kind of got away from what he kind of figured the soul of the defense was. And he really believes in, being at basically just creating havoc, you know, trying to create havoc, being aggressive, um, you know, trying to create takeaways, trying to create sacks, basically just trying to flip the field because he looks at it like, okay, like you're not going to just shut everybody down. You don't have the athletes that they do. Um, so it's not going to be a situation where you're going to hold opponents under a hundred yards, you know, or something like that. Like that's not how it's going to go for you. If you're Indiana, you know, you got to try to get takeaways. you got to try to get interceptions and sacks and you know, and, and fumbles and stuff like that. So they have been more aggressive. They've gone back to that as he's kind of taken over the coordinator. He's not the, you know, he's not technically the coordinator. Chad Wolf is listed as the coordinator, but Allen was very clear about saying that he is going to call the plays on Saturday. He's going to be one that dials the stuff up and, and decides when they're going to blitz and when they're not and everything. Um, so you could see that returning basically that there's, there's a, a lot more um, emphasis on the pass rush and, and getting guys uh, in the backfield and, and sending people and being willing to take risks. And his belief is, you know, you, you, you try to not keep up the big play, but you got to be willing to give up chunks of yardage uh, because they're going to, they're going to get them and you got to be okay with that. Uh, but you know, you flip it by taking, taking the ball away and, and getting sacks and getting sort of big plays on defense. So, that's worked okay, um, but there have been periods where they has and it hasn't. So, uh, you know, a, a guy that's really been impressive, Desan McCullough, is a freshman. Um, he was, you know, son of Dylan McCullough, who was the running backs coach. Now, now is at Notre Dame, um, but uh, he, you know, he had committed to IU even though his dad, his dad was there and he did not follow him um, and decided, hey, I'm going to be a part of this with Indiana. And he's been really impressive. Six five, like two thirty. He's built like a wide receiver, but they can play him like anywhere. Um, so they've lined him up as kind of a uh, rush end. They've lined him up in their husky position, which is kind of like a safety linebacker, nickel sort of all hybrid. Um, and you know, they brought him on a lot of pass rushes. He's got four sacks already. He's not playing all the time. Uh, and he's their leading sack guy just because he's just so effective when he does get in there on passing downs, um, you know, just really terrific athlete. And that's kind of, you know, spearheaded a lot of that. Uh, but they've got really good blessing, put some linebackers in, in Aaron Casey and Cam Jones guys that get in the backfield. Uh, you know, Casey only has half a sack. He's got seven tackles for loss. Uh, he's done a really good job filling in for Mike McFat, not filling in for Mike McFat, taking over Mike McFadden's job after he moved on to the Giants. Um, so that they've, they've got, they've, they've got a lot of good going on as far as the pass rush is concerned. Secondary has been shaky, and that's been an issue because, and that's concerning because you know they've got a lot of guys who were part of that uh, secondary in 2020 that was really good. Um, you know they've got three All Big Ten guys and one you know All, all American from 2020, and you know Taiwan Mullen being the All American, um, and you know those guys have had some moments. Each of them 
but uh, you know it hasn't produced like this, this kind of shutdown secondary that you want to have. And they've let some really big plays leak out. I mean, you really saw this, you know, a 75-yard touchdown pass against Cincinnati and against you know Nebraska. Uh, basically, just just two really big, huge home run plays that they gave up uh, that shouldn't happen with a veteran secondary, and it's happening. And so that's that's kind of where things stand out is you know they, they can make some plays and they've got some interceptions and whatnot, but they they have given up some big plays. They've let some guys get behind them, um, and and that's what stands out as, as a major problem that shouldn't be happening. Uh, you know, with some of these guys, uh, Mullen was it, Mullen had the breakdown against Cincinnati, just got turned around. Um, Almost inexplicitly, you see, I saw him flip his hips the wrong way, and the Tyler Scott had inside leverage, and it was over. Um, so, you know, it's just some mistakes are being made by guys uh, that should be making those kind of mistakes, and you know, they have tried to make it so they're they're you know making sure they've got safety help back there more, and they're putting fewer guys on islands. Um, but it's only working so well. Even you know, the uh, they had safety help on the 72-yard touchdown to Trey Palmer against Nebraska, and still didn't make a difference. Um, so that's I think what really stands out is is that issue. And and now. To, to flip it as far as, you know, kind of uh, uh, applying this to Michigan, they haven't had a team that can run it like Michigan can. Um, you know, they, they've given up some big plays in the run game. You know, Chase Brown was able to really pick up a bunch of chunks against them uh, in the opener against Illinois, uh, but they haven't had played somebody who's just devoted to the run the way Michigan is. So it's going to be interesting to see how they, they respond to that. Yeah, we'll see how they respond to that. And with that in mind, do you have any overall predictions for this game? I think Michigan's going to win by a lot. Um, I, I'm going to say 45-14 is going to be my guess. All right. I think Michigan will be able to run it up. All right, so. well, thank you. Thank you, Dustin. Could you tell folks where they can find you on Twitter and read your stuff online? Yeah, it's just at Dustin Dupirac, uh, first initial or first name, last name. Uh, and, uh, you know, the IndyStar.com, HeraldTimes.com, or basically any any Gannett newspaper that, uh, that has Indiana coverage, you can find my stuff. Well, I believe you filled – the Michigan face win an absolute ton about the 2022 Indiana football team. And I certainly appreciate it. And I know all our listeners will too. So once again, thank you to Dustin. And this has been Trevor Woods from SB Nation's Amazing Brew. You can follow me on Twitter at Woods Football. Find our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'll be talking to you at the conclusion of the Michigan at IU game for the post-game reaction podcast. Take care, folks.